You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hello, you are listening to Very Loose Women live on Resonance 104.4 FM. You might be also listening on podcast. Who knows? Um, I'm Soy and I'm very happy to be joined in the studio by Flory and Leo. Hiya. And our guest, Jenny. Hello, Jenny. And Jenny is from the women's mental health charity Wish. um, And we'll get into that a little little bit. Um, But it's very topical as today is World Mental Health Day. So we hope, listeners, that you're all looking after yourselves. But before we get into mental health, um, we're going to start with actually checking in on each other and with celebrations and frustrations. So um, I'm going to start off with a frustration. Yeah. And it's the tube, as is a... A usual topic of frustration. You do talk about the tube a lot, which I think it's makes an, sense. It's important to me that the tube works. Um, yeah. And well, today it wasn't. Well, you have a very long commute. Yes, I do. Um, so the tube affects you more than most people. Yeah. So I come in from Zone 6. And um, where I live, you have... It's like the ending of two tube lines. And when both of them are suspended, it, it causes a problem. You're stuck. Yeah, especially at rush hour. Uh, so, yeah, I had to find an alternative route, which was okay. I did get here in time, um, but it's it's just frustrating. You were only two hours <laughs> early. Whatever next, Soyla. Oh, whatever next. Um, Flory. I am celebrating the fact that I've just managed to book time off work to go down to Devon and see my family. Yeah. Uh, which is nice. Going to see my celebrate my dad's retirement, which is pretty cool. Has he got mm-hmm. any plans? Uh, like allotments or he has zero plans, I think. Which is which is his idea to have zero plans. So I think he's pretty pleased. I look forward to that life. Yeah, lots of time in the garden, probably. Yeah, which would be lovely. and it means you can read all of the books all that you've books. missed out on. Watch all of the sport is mainly what he will be mm. doing. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I have, I guess it's a sort of frustrate. It is definitely a frustration, actually. Okay, so I went to see my dad for three days, which is not the frustration. <laughs> we went to a pet rescue center because he wants a cat. A year after his cat was sadly run over by a car, he like he has been grieving this whole time. He's like, oh, no, I'm ready, I'm ready. Anyway, so I, I go along. I, I wasn't able to go visit him over the summer, and so I was like, okay, it's October. I have to go see him. Okay. Um, so I... On Monday morning, I went to a sort of job interview and then I went straight from that to the airport to go and visit him. And I thought I'd packed very well, but I apparently took no pants with me. So I was stuck with the one pair of pants for three days. So I did like (laughs) pants one way round, pants the other way round, which to be honest, let's be honest, I am very used to that. Um, But then the third day today... You can only do it two ways, can't you? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's it. Third day, I am... Well, I'm not wearing any pants and I just really don't like the feeling. I like to have that bit of cloth between my area and the trousers. (laughs) See, that is fair enough, I'd say. I find this insane only because as someone who carries... I have a little backpack, not a little backpack, but a little pack of emergency stuff, Mm. which includes like deodorant, like tampons, stuff like that. And it includes a pair of pants. You're very wise for your years. We've always known that, Zoila. Very wise. And there's also the thing where... Doesn't everyone, when they're packing for a holiday, pants 
pack so many pants, it's almost as if they're going to like poop themselves every day. <laughs> That's how many pants people take. I, I pack that many pants. Exactly. I, I thought I'd pack pants. No, but the, what really takes the biscuit is that <laughs> my girlfriend came with me and she had a pair of pants which had only been worn on one side and she was like, I'm not going to give them to you because that's disgusting. That is disgusting <laughs> to share dirty pants. Sorry, sorry, but it is. <laughs> so I guess that's really at the crux of my trans- of my frustration. Okay, mm. uh, the crotch. Thank you. Yeah, I, I left that out there for all. Jenny, ah, oh, mine's a celebration. Okay. Um, I am not the best with deadlines. I hope no one that I work for is listening. Um, but I <laughs> and I owed someone a script. I also do. I do a little bit of playwriting, and I met Ooh. a deadline today. Good. Yes, very exciting. Um, and so no one's going to tell me off. So that's a celebration. Well, there we go. <laughs> well I wish we'd known about this around. script writing before. We could have scripted yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Into I feel like I should have. Plan. I'm not very good at like plugging things. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, so I met a deadline, and so I I celebrated by watching Harry Potter. Great. Um, yes. Nice. Yeah. So we, it's we good like Harry around. Potter on yeah. this show. I'm glad. Don't you? Um, so, of course, we're joined by Jenny, um, who works at Wish Charity. Um, we're going to be talking about mental health, which we have discussed um, quite a little bit this series so far. Um, we had an episode on anxiety, which you can go back and listen to on our podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's just a, I've got a little stat, um, which is from 2015. Um, and from Mind Charity, actually, where women were, are more likely than men to report having been diagnosed with a mental health condition um, at 33% compared with 19%. Um, and that's just kind of like a base figure that we're going to go off for um, for this show, which looks specifically at women and um, how women suffer with mental health um, when they're going through very vulnerable um, times in their lives. Um, but first, I wanted to ask my fellow Very Loose Women if we ever felt that our own mental health wasn't being given the recognition or the attention we feel like it deserved. Uh, I answered this in a different way in that I think I've been very lax with my mental health throughout my life. Mm. So I haven't been paying my mental health the attention that it deserves. There have been two periods where I've sought help and I've got it. And that was when I was at university, first for my undergrad, then for my MA. And both uh, unis had uh, provision for mental health. And it was very, it was really, really helpful. And definitely based off those experiences, it's something I should be doing more often. But it's just things like coordinating time and potentially if I have to pay for it like um that that would be a big effort on my part which I'm not prepared to put into it Mm. yeah I think I think that's a really good way of putting it actually is that yeah perhaps we all don't give as much attention to our own mental health I think I'm definitely guilty of that as well but I also think people have varying levels of sensitivity towards um mental health and some have Mm. a very low patience or threshold for being able to listen to people when they have something going on um and I guess like everybody myself included probably has been guilty of not understanding um when somebody's behavior is down to the fact that perhaps they have mental health issues that have surfaced um and it's kind of I definitely think it's important to be aware in that way and and offer support and attention to people when you recognize that something's up yeah I think when I was first going through mental health um, difficulties, um, people who 
at the time called themselves my friends would say oh you're attention seeking and give a negative light on that idea of someone who is obviously going through something who needs some sort of attention to help them get through it but giving it to them is a bad thing um and i think that's where i it was right at the start where i felt like i wasn't being given that just that whole connotation of saying oh someone's attention seeking mm-hmm. oh someone um who might um be going through self injury oh that's attention seeking i think that's a, a very bad way of um Reacting. acknowledging yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. um where are the kinds of places that we've gone for that support previously? So as I mentioned, I was in at uni both times. Yeah. Uh, the, the first time, I, when you say when you've called for help, people haven't supplied it, um, I think that, well, that, I mean, that's very shocking and surprising. Um, I tend to take a, a thing of ignoring any problems and until it really gets to breaking point and during my undergrad, it really did. Like it was very hard for me to go for a day without crying and mm. sleeping a lot. Like it was it was very blurry. Like I don't remember anything from that period. And I don't know how I got myself to counselling. Like I don't know how I ended up doing it. Um, because And it's really fortuitous that I did because I have no idea what could have happened. Um, and they just, the support was absolutely incredible. Um, but it was very different from the support that I got at my second uni when I did my MA. That was CBT and it was very targeted. I'd never really recognised that I had anxiety before and they were like, you clearly have an issue and we need to treat that. Because I initially there had gone for counselling for very strategic means of uh, delaying a deadline. Um, (laughs) And then once she was like, no, like, I can see you're doing this, but I can genuinely help you with, like, the underlying problem here. And I was like, okay, maybe this is more interesting. (laughs) Um, And it was. um, so, So that was really good. And in the first instance, it really, like, it unblocked something. I started, um writing a novel afterwards and it it was just like it it I jammed up stuff like the way you clog a toilet not on purpose <laughs> um and then like what, what an analogy <laughs> and she just did some like suction movements it doesn't clear everything but it like got like some of the shit out <laughs> That's like a metaphor that I want to use in my daily life. Just from now on. There you go. Got some of the shit out. <laughs> oh, like I've been. Um, so I think some of the things that I've done, I've also been in therapy, um, and that was something which was it took a little bit of trial and error at first, trying to find the right kind of therapy. Um, but um, I got there and. Um, I felt like that was incredibly important to me and um, my recovery process. Um, and, um, you know, there were other things that maybe I'm not sure how they helped, but at the time I think, you know, I was on antidepressants and um, for some people that does work and it works wonders, for other people it doesn't. Um, so I think a lot of things with working through mental health issues is doing it and being you know telling people who you trust and who are close to you this is what I'm going through and um, these are the things that I'm doing to help me and these things don't help whereas other things do help it's I'm, a very tailor-made absolutely. like solution to a problem to a problem to an issue I guess mm. and I think um, I mean with therapy particularly I think one of the main problems is 
that it's not accessible and it's not affordable a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and I think that's something which I would hope going forward, especially acknowledging um, issues like depression, anxiety, stress and on Mental Health Day, um, that that access is kind of more proliferated, if you like. Definitely. Like, it, like if I was to suggest a utopic vision for the future, access to mental health services is definitely among among those. Like it's I'm not in like a, a sort of um, vulnerable income bracket, but I still think that I would not dedicate any of my income towards paying for therapy. I just don't want to prioritize that. Mm. And uh, whereas if it were, you know, easily accessible, well signposted and free, then I definitely would. I do think I should be charged for it, just to be <laughs> clear, like compared <laughs> to people who are significantly in, in more vulnerable positions than me. Mm. Um, but but yeah, it would, I think for a lot of issues in society, such as um, other health conditions, um, like we were talking on our Fat Phobia show about how um, uh, obesity was targeted and signposted if like a lot of the we found that um, a lot of uh, issues around uh, uncontrollable weight gain not in terms of I'm phrasing this wrong mm. but but they were the the obesity campaign added to stress which added to health problems mm. which could um, change people's size you know that's beside the point the point is there was an underlying health issue which was linked to mental health and if that was uh, well signposted, easily accessed, then actually, if you're looking at it in purely capitalistic terms, they would save a lot of money, like, you know, from yeah. not solving other issues. Is there yeah. anything you think, Flory, having had that experience in the um, women's sector? Uh, do you mean in terms of fund? In, in terms, terms of, of what other support? Yeah. What other support? I think we all need a properly funded NHS, mm. and the government should address the years of underinvestment in mental health services fundamentally, but obviously, you know and like a proper close relationship working with charities that support support specific groups in society as well would obviously be beneficial I think mm. but Jenny's the expert Jenny is the expert sure. and actually turning to Jenny um, can you tell us about what WISH is um, and the history of WISH and then what work it's doing to kind of combat that shortfall yeah, so WISH uh, is a women's mental health charity. Um, we are a youth-led charity as well, which means that like our trustee board is mainly made up of women who have been in the mental health system. Uh, so are the staff members and the women we work with are involved every stage of whatever WISH are doing, whether that's um, like consultation stage or when we get into like campaigns and, and the work that we do directly with women, it's kind of involved every stage and we'll support the women throughout experiences in the criminal justice system and in the mental health system and where those obviously kind of intersect um but the charity itself has been going since i want to say 1987 nice. um yeah so it's definitely the late 80s um and it originally stood for women in secure hospitals um because it was started after a woman who worked in hm holloway um mm -hmm. H yeah hm holloway um, was kind of shocked by how many women were being transferred from the prison to secure hospitals um, and to psychiatric units. And she also had experience of being in a psychiatric unit and they kind of realised that there was this, this kind of involvement of gender that hadn't been recognised before, mm. both within the mental health and the criminal justice system. And WISH was the first charity that really put 
I'm gonna. I can't. I've not found a way to say this without rhyming. And put agenda on the agenda. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, we kind of did research around it, and it's kind of been yeah going from going ever since then Mm. to to kind of more direct services supporting women but also still that kind of like campaigning roots yeah that we had, and yeah. you've got the women's mental health network yes um can you tell us a bit about that and the importance of that yeah of course um so that's our most recent project and we kind of started it because we wanted a kind of body that would encourage the use of gender specific services mm. such as recognizing that you know women do have a different experience of mental health and that those different life experiences should therefore be factored into the care that you're giving women um and also the as kind of with you with your experience of the women's resource center there's so many amazing organizations that are quite small kind of working on like different areas so like whether that's like homelessness or working with women of color or mental health and the network is kind of about linking everyone up so that we can support women from all different areas of society in the best way possible and how does mental health impact on women going through um the criminal justice system and the healthcare system um is there a difference between the way it impacts on women and men um how does that come to fruition yeah definitely um so particularly like starting with the kind of criminal justice system is women often in prison for non-violent crime short-term crime women make up a small amount of the prison population um i want to say it's around five percent but that might i might be wrong there but they make up a the amount of the they make up for those with mental health issues is disproportionate to the amount of women who are in prison Mm. Um, and that's partly because women are so few in prison that they're kind of just ignored immediately and I mean you have the stereotype playing of like mad bad women just immediately dismissed rather than be like a lot of women in prison have been victims of crimes themselves the disproportionate amount of those who have suffered abuse end up in prison and uh, the London Assembly produced a report recently being like we do not look after women in prison in the way that we should. We don't have a gendered approach. And that means they're left kind of alone in this system, and particularly those leaving prison don't have the mental health support to get back into the community. And mm. you have an increased risk of suicide when women leave prison particularly and wish kind of work at supporting women as they go from prison and back into the community with the work that we do. So yeah. how, how did they, oh, unless you're about to say that how do yeah. they do how do they provide that support what what is it that they provide? Um, so one of our main programs is called Community Link, and we work with women as they kind of have that transition. And that support is very indiv- individualistic to the one we do um, that we do work with, and it can vary depending on what they need. A lot of it is practical support around women who need like housing. Um, we work with a lot of women who've been homeless, and obviously that transition to then uh, finding a house is obviously a very difficult one. And it can be emotional support. Uh, we often offer counselling, but we also kind of, we're advocates of women, so we go with them to their kind of psychiatric appointments or their counselling appointments and support them in that way. But it really does vary between women to women, and that's why we adopt a much more holistic approach because it's not being like there's one label that fits all, one size that fits all. It's like, what do you need so that you feel settled back into the community and stop that revolving door effect of a woman being like, I'm not supported outside of prison. I'll go back to prison. Right. And also what you were saying earlier about, like, from a very practical, like, financial point, there's so much money you save by, like, giving women mental health support when they leave prisons. Or rehabilitation, generally. Exactly. Um, Like, it's so... It costs so much more to, like, clear out that support and then just have that revolving door. 
And yeah, if you just look at it from like the very practical standpoint, it's like, why, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, hopefully Wish is addressing that a bit. So in terms of the actual support workers, um, like what's the sort of background? Are they uh, trained for the, for this um, I imagine that they are, but h- how are they trained? <laughs> yeah, um, most of the women who are advocates and our community link manager, they work directly on wards, uh, like hospital wards and also in prisons as well. So they have that very much direct experience of working with women who are actually in the system. Um, and they're trained that way. We also have women who have been through the system and then when they come out of it, wish to train them up as well. Um, so you have people kind of come through it that way. Um but yeah, it's as I said also before, like a most people have come through the mental health system in some way. Mm. And that obviously kind of impacts the work that you do and the fact that we use lead also has an impact on how people are trained and how we interact with women we do. Um, but yeah, hopefully it kind of supports women in the best way. Um, how does something like racism um affect um the the experiences? Um, from what we've seen it's the difficulty in accessing the service in the first place is a lot more difficult for women of colour. Mm. Um, and also there's the kind of stereotypes that play on once women get into the system. And women we work with have sort of like just from like case studies and uh, like feedback, oh, feedback, that's entirely the wrong word. But like when we talk to the women that we do, uh, it's, you know, stereotypes being like the loud, the loud black woman who's yeah. being, you know, over the top and aggressive. And it's like, no, this is this is a mental health condition and what you're doing is just undermining her treatment and therefore obviously she's going to get more aggressive because you're completely dismissed everything that she's just said Mm. um and that's why that kind of emotional support comes in to be like we're here to show that you are believed and that you are valued in in what you're saying what you're doing and that makes such a difference or at least we hope it makes such a difference but from what we do it's shown that it has um in just women being like no you have you have a right to be here and you have a space and you have a like we believe what you're saying Mm. and one of the things, having a look, that Wish talks about is um, how important it is for women to talk to female support workers um, wh- who can help them deal with some very traumatic things that have happened to them. Um, and um, the charity has also highlighted some of the abuse of power by um, male doctors sometimes or male wardens, um, bullying in hospital wards as well. Um, how will getting more women in these um, positions help with um, the general support of women's mental health? Yeah, it would it would help massively because the kind of we've done focus groups with women and one of the things that consistently brought up is the role of of men within like whether they're prison officers or on the wards because if the majority of women who have mental health issues have experienced abuse and if you think if then a man is looking into a ward at night that's obviously re-traumatizing yeah um or if someone's like having to a man's having to like physically restrain you back then that's also re-traumatizing and very triggering and so there needs to be staff training on on that level as well to understand the role that gender does play and how to particularly with women who have suffered domestic abuse often um, mental health officers and police are kind of first point of contact how do you deal with women like that in the best way possible and also like if you if you enable them to talk to women particularly through talking therapies you're immediately kind of not undermining their mental health care you're giving them the support that they they need rather than re-traumatizing them and that's Mm. yeah so vital 
And um, where she's doing a, consulta- a cons- consultation um, on women's mental health, yes. what is the purpose of the consultation and how can listeners who might have experience, how can they contribute to it if there's any way that they can? Yeah, so as I said, we're a user-led charity, so that means we want the voices of the women who are in the mental health system to be intrinsic to everything that we do. And so our consultation is the kind of first stage of the Women's Mental Health Network and it's asking women what are their priorities for what they want to change in the mental health system and other statutory services, so prisons, hospitals, um, all that side of things. And we're collecting data until, or feedback forms until the 1st of December, which can be found at womensmentalhealthnetwork.com forward slash consultation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, from that, then be launching campaigns to, well, we don't know yet, but it'll be based on the consultation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of an example of what you're saying earlier about being user-led. It's, it's the women we work with or we work for that will decide what we're doing. Mm. This is one of those episodes where I wish we had so much more yeah, time to talk definitely. about it, but we, we are kind of drawing to a close. Um, I suppose I think the last thing that we can talk about in terms of mental health is that there are so many support um, networks out there. Um, wish for very vulnerable women going through um, very particular kind of paths. Um, but other charities such as Mind um, and the Samaritans have been particularly helpful to not just ourselves and very loose women, but for for so many other people. Um, and um, Jenny, what is Wishes um, contact details if if anyone um, needs to get in contact with you or just follow what you're doing? Yeah, the best way um, you can kind of find all of our con- ways to contact us is on our website, which is womenatwish.org.uk. I'm also on Twitter at Wish Charity if you have any questions about what we do. Um, but yeah, always get in touch. And if you want to join the network, uh, the site I mentioned before, we would love to have your voice involved in the work that we're doing. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you. Um, so you have been listening to Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. Um, our podcast is acast.com forward slash Very Loose Women, um, or you can listen to previous episodes on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can subscribe to never miss an episode. Um, I produced this episode um, and it was co-produced by Flory and Leo. Um, and audio engineering was done by Mia and Florence at Resonance 104.4 FM. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, of course, at VLW Radio, and as well as on Instagram, and we're very loose women on Facebook too. 